I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks, Episode 4. Awesome. We have made it. To four. To four. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's something, right? I think so. And... We hit 100 downloads yesterday. That is like my favorite thing. I don't care about the lottery. I just want to see that number go up. (laughs) I care about the lottery. Because I haven't bought a ticket still. (laughs) Yeah, we talked about that last time. Yeah. Apparently, we really want to win the lottery. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't, I guess? Yeah. So, what's new? Oh, you remember that time we were eating hibachi and then I got in my car and I had a flat tire? And I was down the road and you were like, uh, can you come back? Yeah. And remember yeah. that time I almost had it, mm-hmm. but your jack was in upside down yep. in your car? Yeah. Some moron put it in your car <laughs> upside down and I couldn't get it out. Yep. I remember that. <laughs> Luckily, the Good Samaritan had the, what is it? The floor jack? That's yeah. what it's called. Because the, cause I have an SUV and she has a car, so my jack wouldn't fit under it. <laughs> so I got the lug nuts loose and then there we were. Yep. With no way to fix it. Oh, well. And then he came in NASCAR style. I mean, he was like pit crew fast. For sure. Yes. So thank you for good Samaritan guy stopping. We were we were safe, though. We were in a parking lot. It was still daylight. So we yeah. weren't going to get axe murdered by the person <laughs> like pulling up. His wife and his kid were in the car. We're in his truck. So we were good. Unless he paid them as a decoy. I mean, that's a thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Like people will not pay in, but... Like, you know, when you have someone that's like a murderer with a partner and then, oh, yeah. like it looks like like sometimes it'll be like a teenager or something. Mm-hmm. So you think like, oh, cool, I'm safe. As Tiffany, our best friend would say, ended up winding up. <laughs> they're not safe. Yeah. Have you been watching the stairwell? Stairway? <laughs> staircase to heaven? <laughs> oh, gosh. So the staircase murders? Yes. Yeah. With Michael Peterson? Of course. And his bushy ass eyebrows. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm i a little over that story because, yeah. God almighty, he did it. We know he did it. No, it was that owl. Okay, that. <laughs> um, someone on Twitter uh, tweeted, whatever, um, <laughs> about it and where it was like, Michael, come on, that was a lot of blood for a fall. I replied, um, it's because of the owl. Yeah. Those talons, though. Oh, my gosh. For those, I guess, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know this story. But for those of you who don't, Michael Peterson um, and his wife were at home. They'd been supposedly sitting outside by the fire drinking wine. And he said that, well, actually, it was his his son, her stepson, said that sometimes she took Valium and drank. And so they felt like she was probably highly intoxicated. And she fell down the steps. And that's how she died. Well, there was a crap ton of blood everywhere. Up on the wall. And and the blood had been wiped away. Mm-hmm. And there was more splat, blood, blood splatter on top of that. Yeah. Meaning he thought he killed her and was like, shit, I got to clean all this up. And then she wasn't dead. So he had to hit her again with the blow poke. The blow the poke. The blow poke. Oh, oh my, my God. gosh. Yes. So her sister. Her sister, yeah. Said that she had given her a blow poke. <laughs> Adult gift. (laughs) Um, And that she, like, it had the perfect hook to match the wounds on her head because they did a reenactment and she would have had to have, like, gotten up and fallen, gotten up and fallen, 
to make those wounds on her head like seven times. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was on Valium. Yeah. Oh, and that they said that she was highly intoxicated. And then when her talk screen comes back and it's like a mouse could have drank the alcohol and been fine. Yes. You know, (laughs) like, come on. And meanwhile, how many times did he go back to his computer while the police were there? Mm, right. Um, because he was hide- he was trying to hide his conversations because he had printed out emails between why? him and... Well, first of all, okay, wait, <laughs> let me back up. He had printed out emails between him and a male escort because he was bisexual and mm, We're was- going to call him military muscle man. Who? The male escort? Oh, because he did. He liked... Yeah. yeah, he liked military porn. That's right. Um, And so... He who first of all, who the hell prints out emails? <laughs> he didn't have a smartphone, so when he went to the bathroom, he, he needed, needed the to- papers. <laughs> 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 Let me see my Yahoo chat. <laughs> <laughs> so the I guess the um, thinking is that she found those emails and was like, what the hell? Because she'd mm-hmm. been cheated on in the past by her husband. And so that her sister was like, she wouldn't have put up with that. Yeah. Oh, and, and because she was basically carrying the whole family because he was such a fucking failure. Yes. Freeloading off of her mm-hmm. and her salary. And she had just done a bunch of layoffs at her work. Like she was the one yeah. doing the layoffs. And then and she was like, OK, guys, like I'm probably going to be next because I feel like that's pretty common in business. Like, yeah. You're the one that has to fire everybody mm-hmm. and then they fire you. And so he was like, oh, shit, my meal ticket found out. She's about to get fired. She found out that I'm having not only an affair, but with escorts. Yes. And oh, and by the way, it's male escorts. He definitely killed her. But one of the theories that they tried to say was her dying was that there had been a lot of owl attacks in the area. And who, so. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we have sound effects. There apparently have been a lot of owl attacks in the area, and they said, well, she went and took out the trash, and an owl attacked her head, and then she came inside, and that's when she fell on the stairs and died. But it's like, so, but why did he try to wipe the blood up? Even if that was the case, why did he wipe the blood, and then she, what, just started squirting blood again all over the place? Right, and let me just say, he is like a D-list actor on that 911 call. Oh, my God, that 911 call And then when he hangs up... And then has to call, call back. back. But if, and if you notice, too, because there was I think they said this on My Favorite Murder, too. They, they pointed out, which I was like, oh, my God, yes. That when they asked the when the 911 operator asked him how many stairs she fell down and it like the question took him so much yes. by surprise that he was like, um, um, what? Um, um, yes. what? like he didn't have an answer for mm-hmm. it. He, he just wasn't prepared for that question. No. And, and he tried to skim over. He it. was dodging. Mm hmm. Yep. And so, God, it's so ridiculous. But, I mean, I'm watching it because I love true crime. and yes. th- But this is just the most ridiculous It's like story. a hate watch, you yes, know? Yes, yes. Well, and, like, his kids are still behind him because they had, she had a daughter from a previous marriage. He had two sons from a previous marriage, and he had adopted two daughters. Um, his are still supporting him, whereas her biological daughter is like, mm-mm, he did this. Yeah. God. And so it's just been back and forth. Like, So he was convicted, and then it came out that one of the FBI forensic analysis with the blood had lied on all these cases. Oh, god! And so it opened up like hundreds of cases that the FBI was involved in, and his was one of them. <sighs> and so because the guy had lied in reports and or specifically left out information that would not be beneficial to the prosecutor. Yeah. And so they were like, well... This guy was in on this, so 
retry. And then I think he was acquitted and then convicted again. Yeah. So it's been just, it's a process. Yes. It's like every time I watch a um, 48 hours on, I'm like, okay, is this before or after he was acquitted again? Right. And which, where does this fall in the timeline? Mm-hmm. But golly, that owl story. And I'm not saying that owls don't attack and it might look like that and all, but. But I owls mean, don't wipe the blood. Right. And owls. Like, don't. leave the owl alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Who do? <laughs> He's just trying to find out how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll. Do you know that that's the... Th- okay, we've had... This is episode four, and we've said that thing twice. Well, it's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if y'all like Big Brother, Sunday, Derek from Big Brother... Oh, yeah. He has his new show, Breaking Homicide. Oh, okay. Did you ever watch that short special with him and that guy the first time around? About O.J. Simpson? I th- was it about O.J.? I don't know. I I didn't watch it. It was, and I loved, I loved Derek from Big Brother. Like, he killed it that season. Oh, my God. And won. um, Yeah. Because he didn't tell anybody that he was an undercover police officer. Um, When they did, like, when they had his interview and he was like, well, I just, like, assimilated or whatever, you know, and it goes through and it's like, oh, my God, he did. mm -hmm. Like, he totally did. And I didn't even notice it. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a skill. Yes. Uh, one of my uncles was an undercover narcotics agent forever. And if you met him, you would have no idea <laughs> that he was able to live undercover for, I mean, you met him and yeah. he was like this huge big teddy bear that yeah. is like fairly like soft-spoken and, mm-hmm. but he's a badass dude. And I don't know, it's crazy. Like when you see all of his pictures and stuff from undercover and all that, it's crazy yeah. that it's like, like we said, it's the skill to be able to live this life that's completely opposite of your own i would be terrible at it oh there's no freaking way i could do I'd it. be like my name's barbara i mean donna i mean um hi <laughs> <laughs> and then um can we do this again yes you know you know who i would be i'd be josie grossy from uh never been kissed <laughs> she's like i'm 17 i'm a high school student <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I would be so bad. Well, first of all, I can't remember anything. (laughs) No. I would be like, shit, what did I tell them last time? Like, well, that's why they say um, that, like, a lot of undercover agents go by their first name. Yeah. Because, like, if you're out and about. I had a a guy I worked with one time that he was an agent, too. He said that, that he was undercover and didn't use his real first name. And they were out in public and somebody recognized him and called him his actual name and he was like no man you you've got me confused you know yada 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 and it almost blew his cover wow and so that's why they do their first name yeah can you imagine that like like i got a pit in my stomach when he said that like could you imagine living that moment and being like fuck no be like i'm dead but i'll be on id (laughs) (laughs) and all your dreams came true (laughs) no if my favorite murder talked about me oh my god Yes. I'm excited to hear your story. I have no idea what you're going to talk about. Close your eyes and picture this. It's nighttime. Close your eyes. Okay, sorry. God, you're taking forever. (laughs) I'm going to fall asleep over here. Okay. It's nighttime and you're curled up in your bed. Now I'm really going to go sleep. (laughs) Can you? This is serious. Okay. It's nighttime and you're curled up in your bed. You've been asleep, but something wakes you up. 
It isn't a sound, it's a feeling. You feel someone is watching you. So you open your eyes and scan the room. At first, you don't see anything. But as you strain your eyes to focus on the room, you do in fact see something. A black mass. You probably blink, reasoning to yourself it's nothing. But the more you focus on the mass, the more you can see the shape. It's almost human-like, but has no face. You might not comprehend what you're seeing, but you are certain that someone or something is observing you. And that something is a shadow person. A shadow person? Mm-hmm. Never heard of a shadow person. You have seen a shadow person before. Like like in real life? Yeah, you, I think. I'm a shadow person? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are shady. Damn! <laughs> Well, listen to it and just see if it sounds kind of familiar. I mean, you haven't been like for sure shadow personed, but I think that some kind of something. Okay. Okay. Do I have to keep my eyes closed again? No, you. everyone can open their eyes. Okay. So in 2001, Art Bell kind of brought, you know, shadow people into the light, pun intended. Oh, my God. (laughs) Hashtag dad joke. (laughs) He had a late night radio talk show called Coast to Coast AM. He was like the OG of podcasters and all that stuff. Yeah. So in 2001, he spoke to a Cherokee elder named Thunderstrikes. Uh, He stated that shadow people are parallel dimensional beings, and they were first recorded by indigenous people in 1153 B.C., Holy crap. Yeah, so they've been around, like, beginning of time. Longer than the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they were not the 13th guest. (laughs) Or were they? Ooh, (laughs) da-da-da. Okay, so he said they're basically, like, vampires with your energy because they recharge off of you. Okay, so they like to scare you. So you're in shock and all of that. Your adrenaline's going and they feed off of that. So today. Mm hmm. Okay, so um, a couple of people decorated my doorway for my birthday Mm -hmm. with streamers. And today I walked it because I, you know how on Bruce Almighty when he's like and like gets undressed? (laughs) Yeah. I kind of do that going in it every time because it's fun. And today I did it really quickly and like put something on my desk and turned to walk out. And there were some streamers that had fallen behind me and Uh I jumped and was like, shit. (laughs) Was that a shadow puppet? Um, they're not puppets, but okay. What are they called? Shadow people. Oh, same thing. Do well, you think that was puppets. a shadow people? Well, that would be a Be-a- shadow person. person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Well, you said they like to create chaos and scare you. But you would see them. Oh. And they're not like streamers. <laughs> they're not blue and white. <laughs> no. He believes what how you see them is with your fifth eye or dream eye, which is located at the soft spot of a baby's head when it's born. What? Mm-hmm. And he said that's the eye that gives you extra sensory perception when you're dreaming in REM or rapid eye movement. And something else, this is like not with this, but he claims that there, well, he claims there's like seven eyes in like 12 years, you know, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But he claims that you also have a fourth eye and that's located behind the base of your spine. And that's where you get the sensation if you're in danger, like animals do. And that's why the hair on your, the back of your neck stands up. Who is this he? I told you he's a Cherokee elder Thunderstrike. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he's like into his spirituality and shit. 
my fourth eye always going on, especially when I'm telling these stories. I don't buy it. Okay. <laughs> also on that show from, you know, Art Bell, Coast to Coast AM. Oh, okay. I was like, what show? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently I didn't listen to the first part of your story. Right. Um, hopefully they did. <laughs> um, this lady named Heidi Hollis, she was on there and she published a book about shadow people. And she describes them as dark silhouettes with human shapes and profiles that flicker in and out of peripheral vision. If I wake up tonight to see a shadow people person, person place or thing, <laughs> when lose or draw. If I wake up tonight to see one of these things, I'm going to die. Well, they'll suck, suck all energy. my energy and I will um, die. I mean, when I was reading about them, I was like, oh, my God, because so many times I do see like something in my peripheral, mm -hmm. you know, I think. Yeah, I, I usually think it's a hair. Mm -hmm. But that is like seeing with your fifth eye. And that's I'm like all about this because my uncle used to tell me stories. He was he liked to experiment with drugs back in the day. So all of his like ghost stories weren't really ghost stories because but, he was on LSD. Yes, but he would. Talk to me about this kind of stuff, about different dimensions and us not seeing things because we're not taught about them. And he said that every time you see something out of the like your peripherals, it's from another dimension. I'm all about this. Okay. So do you think that he was either hyper aware of it because of the drug use and he was a paranormal? A paranormal. <laughs> He was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> he was a paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah. He ha he wasn't one. Person first language had paranoid schizophrenia. And so do you think that seeing the other dimensions was part of the paranoia from his schizophrenia? Or do you think it was or the drugs and or could be mm -hmm. both? Or do you think he, it made him hyper aware because he saw things that we ignore just personally i think yeah he was more open to things because of his condition just like kids and stuff they don't know that you know people aren't like a black mass so they might see it because you know what i mean yeah it's more open well with him i feel the same way they also say in here if you're doing drugs like meth and stuff like that put you at a certain level, you know, that you can see these shadow people. So I think it's just like a state of your mind. Again, your fifth eye, but don't do meth to get your fifth eye. I was going to say, or you're having a hallucination because you're on drugs and or have But not everyone has a I mean, I have neither. And I really think I've seen glimpses. I have not seen a real shadow person and I don't want to. No, I don't either. I, look, I don't have enough energy to function in my daily life, <laughs> much less a damn shadow person. Got it right that time. Yay. Sucking my damn energy. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say, you said sucking my duh. <laughs> and I was like, where is this going? <laughs> hmm. Okay. Um, it's a new kind of podcast. Yeah. Okay. So she believes that the figures are negative energy and that they are aliens. Okay. This took a, a beer <laughs> to the left. Well, but if you think about it, if they're interdimensional, that would be an alien. She said that they are highly intelligent, interdimensional beings that can shapeshift into various forms and figurations. Again, with the interdimensional, because they say that they're from the future. Some people say that they're from the future. And so when they come back and they observe, because that's really what they do is like watch mm -hmm. that they're 
gathering intel to take back to their land, you know, to like, this is how the peeps do it Ed, on Earth. So, but they watch <laughs> you sleep to carry intel? Well, I guess, I, I guess mean, I'm thinking the sleeping thing because that's how you start the story. So they're not yeah. always do just watching you right. sleep. Yeah, it can be all Anytime. different times. But okay. a lot of people get it. Like they see them at night because again, your your body's in a different state. Yeah, because you're you know? asleep. Yeah. Well, and you're just relaxing. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so here are some common features of shadow people. A shape that is generally male in appearance. They are aware of us and react to us observing them. So if you look at them, they'll look at you and they know like, here's looking to you, kid. Nah, nope, uh uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. And they say a typical shadow person is tall, ranging from six feet to seven feet. Very often they are wrapped in a cloak. But again, you really can't see it because it's all dark. You know, it's mm-hmm. all black. But it's just like picture. Mm, I'll tell you what it kind of looks like. You know, the neighborhood watch. Yes. That's kind of what it's okay, okay. like. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, the neighborhood watch sign. Yeah. I guess we should. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and they say that their appearance has depth to it. So it's not like a shadow on the wall. You know, that's kind of like see through. Mm-hmm. No, this you it's like opaque and typically they have no visible eyes but some have glowing red eyes yeah oh my god um they are rarely reported to have spoken or tried to communicate so they simply observe like if you see one and you're like oh my god i'm gonna shut the door and go into my closet or something like that doesn't matter they can walk through physical objects Uh uh-uh and they have been known to have demonic shape and demeanor I'm kind of picturing like a um like a Grim Reaper-esque like appearance. They say that the Grim Reaper is a form of shadow people. Usually people who experience sleep paralysis see them. <gasps> yeah. So imagine that. You can see them I don't ap- want to. Yeah, you can see them approaching, but you cannot move. Sleep paralysis is I never I, want to experience that. And me neither. I know. Like that's scary all in itself. Mm-hmm. Without a shapeshifter coming at you. Yes. So they can come into your dreams and try to break you down during the night. So they're Freddy freaking Krueger. Basically. And so they can make you so exhausted and so drained because they're zapping your energy out of you. Is that what's wrong with me? It might. I told you, you probably have seen a shadow person. This jerk is coming every single (laughs) night and that's why I'm so damn tired. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so they say that the dark shadow figures that have the red or sometimes green eyes, they are said to be an evil spirit. So that means that they were extremely evil humans, they've passed, and they are still here to do all of their evil shit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so... Watch out for the red eyes. mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so people have reported figures attempting to jump on their chest and choke them. What?! Yeah, and they call these people night hags. So picture it, an old witchy black mask that has red glowing eyes. Mm-mm. And you can tell she has her hair like stringy. Oh, so these are, these are girls, whereas the mm-hmm. shadow people are usually male figures. Yes. So like if you see now a that's female, some damn she's a hag. Toxic masculinity right there. <laughs> she's calling her a hag because it's the girl. But the mm-hmm. other one, he's a shadow person. <laughs> but the girl one, she's a night hag. Right? <laughs> some shit. Back in the day, sometimes people who suffered with diseases such as tuberculosis were said to look haggard 
or hag ridden. That comes from this because it was believed that as they slept, a night hag would enter their bedchambers and either sat upon their chest crushing them, but not to the point that they die, or she would suck away their breath or their vitality. Either way, they were left way exhausted or diseased. Yeah, or exhausted and couldn't fight the disease because they were right. so exhausted. Yeah. So isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, that's where we get the name, like, haggard. Okay, another form is called a hat man. This one is definitely the neighborhood watch guy. Okay. He's just like the classic shadow figure, but he also has the hat, for sure has the hat. Other ones don't have to be wearing a hat, but he always has one. He has like that trench coat kind of look, and he loves to lurk and observe from doorways. Oh. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that say they've been attacked by a hat man, but they make you feel very apprehensive and give you anxiety that you're going to see him repeatedly. So again, your energy, you know, everything is just wiped. Yeah. They say that they wear their hats to hide their oddly shaped heads, again, with the alien kind Uh, of thing, or that maybe the hats are from the future and it's some kind of technology. How do they know all this? It's... In books, I don't know. People spend their life doing this. I mean, it's not like the dude, (laughs) the hat guy, is like taking his hat off to be like, here's my oddly shaped head. Well, but see, this is what they're saying. Like, if they see the regular shadow person and it's got a weird shaped head and then the hat person has the hat on it, maybe he's trying to disguise himself. You know what I mean? I mean, I hear what you're saying, but that's (laughs) stupid. So in many cases, the hat man is hanging around areas where negative emotions are taking place, such as abusive homes, depressed family members, things like that. Yeah. Some people believe that the hat man is a demon sent to bring those who are about to die to hell. So the Grim Reaper. Kinda. Others think he is actually the devil himself. Heidi Hollis, the lady who had published that book, Mm -hmm. she spoke with a German soldier and he told her that he had witnessed the hat man and he asked him who he was he replied scratch which is another name for the devil oh my gosh yeah and so then another person had told hollis that um he was in the hospital and he woke up and saw the hat man and according to the story the hat man quickly disappeared when he woke up but not before saying i almost had you (gasps) So, like, he was going to get that. He was like, oh, yeah, going to get this. And then that guy opened up and he was like, skirt, sorry. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? I would be like, don't go to bed. Don't go to bed. I mean, what do you do? You, I mean, what? Yeah, that is so scary. Another form is called shadow figures. And these people normally stay outdoors, like in forests. So I'll never see them. <laughs> yeah. They hang out around trees, and they are said to be shadow stalkers. Some say that they are protective spirits that guard nature and protect the elementals. So one thing to know about them is that they love to mimic the people who see them. So, like, if you're walking in the woods and you feel like someone's walking with you and then, like, you stop... And then they stop. stop. (gasps) Oh, that's so creepy. Another noticeable characteristic is that when they are walking through the woods, they don't make a sound. So like you would think that you would hear, you know. Leaves rustling. Mm -hmm. 
They don't do anything, which I know this person wasn't a shadow figure, but that reminds me of that time we were at the beach. (gasps) Oh my God, that was so scary. That was a weird moment because we were driving down to Gulfport, which is like an hour away from us. We were in, were we in high school? Yeah, we were in high school. Okay. And, um... All of a sudden, I got this urge to tell them. Well, okay. It was Donna, our best friend Tiffany, and me all in the car. Yeah. And I was in the back seat. I think Tiffany was driving. Mm Mm-hmm. And I told them, like, I wanted to tell you that I loved you and that Mm -hmm. I felt like I might die. Yeah. You had a bad feeling. Yeah. And that you felt like you might die that night. Yeah. And y'all are like, what? I think I'm Looney Tunes. Yeah. But it was just like. What? Yeah, like, I re- I remember. We I feel like it like made us tear up. Like not like sad, but like you know how like whenever you, like a ghost is around and you like yes. tear up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's water. Your, that's your fifth. Uh, I mean your fourth eye, <sighs> fourth, um, fifth, twelfth, seventeenth <laughs> year. I remember when I told y'all this too. We had just passed uh, Barnes and Nobles in that shopping center, and we were gonna be like where Old Navy used to be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I legit still remember that. Anyway, so we went to the beach. You should not do that anyway because it was like midnight yeah 10 o'clock 11 o'clock and we're going to the beach but so we were at the beach and we noticed when we was it when we got out of the car that there was a man i don't remember i'm I'm, I'm spacing i don't remember i think when we got out of the car there was a man and we were like okay we'll watch you know him but then he went away we stayed out there probably like an hour or so like laughing you know whatever and then y'all went to use the bathroom Mm mm-hmm and it was, it was like, like a, a lighthouse kind of thing. Yeah. And it was a two-story building. Mm-hmm. And he was like down in there. But like we had not heard him come back. And he was in like a windsuit. Yes. It was like like, like a windbreaker. 90s like windbreaker suit. Yes. So we had been hearing him walk around. And so we were trying to be safe and be like, okay, we know where this guy is. Like we're aware of our surroundings. Yeah. But then like we didn't hear him anymore. And he was like. Bam, right there. Yeah, that was scary. And then, like, when we got in the car, then he, like, we couldn't find him he anymore. He just disappeared. And it was like, had maybe had I not freaked us out by saying that I felt like that, we might not have been hyper aware. Right. And something or, bad yeah. might have happened. Anyway. I feel like we didn't do that story justice because that was, like, I can't even explain to you the fear of, we're good, we're hanging out on the beach, we saw where he was, he wasn't there anymore, so we were feeling safe, doing our thing. I don't even know what we were doing hanging out, like, because, again, it was like midnight just on the beach. Yeah. What we were doing, God only knows. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we went to this little lighthouse thing to use the bathroom and then like, boom, he was, he just appeared and we were like, shit, we yeah. got like, we got to go. We got to go. This is not safe. This like, you know, you know, you just know when something's yes. not safe. And so we left and we just were like, you not had that weird feeling. Yeah. We would not have been on high alert and probably as 17, 18 year olds, not even noticed him to begin with. Right. And gotten something yeah who knows yeah it really was scary like again i remember exactly where we were when i said that but it's like where did he go after that is i think why you're saying it's almost like he was a shadow person because he was again wearing like a windbreaker suit thing and so it's like you heard like when he was walking you know windy Mm -hmm. and so you heard it when he was walking and then it just boom he was in that lighthouse with us and it's just like where did he come from and then when we haul ass to the car i mean we didn't like run but look because yeah. god we don't want to create more attention to ourselves yeah but got to the car way fast and it's like but but where did he go from there yeah. because he wasn't 
And we rode around to see, like, if we could see him walking, and we he's gone. Couldn't. He was like, as fast as we saw him and felt unsafe and said, "Let's get the hell out of here." He was gone. Yeah, so scary. Yes, it was. And Tiffany, you're probably gonna listen to this. If we left out anything, let us know. Yeah, next week we're gonna be like. So, by the way, we told that story completely wrong. <laughs> so back on to the real shadow figures. <laughs> Okay, you're going to love to make fun of this part. There is a category called Men in Black. (laughs) (laughs) It's legit. Is it, though? It is. I believe in them. Look, I've been like, oh, my God, yes, to all the other stories. But this one, but you, this one, I can't, like, no. I can't get behind. I can. Please until don't come see. I was me. gonna say until tonight when I fall asleep and I wake up and there's a freaking shadow man with red eyes in my room. <laughs> I'm gonna definitely wear my Saint Benedict bracelet tonight. Yes. Okay. So the men in black, these are intimidating, sinister humanoid entities said by conspiracy theorists oh, and God. experiencers to be created by the government. <laughs> Stop. (laughs) This is serious. Okay. Um, They look similar to the movie by the same name, and there is also a connection to them in aliens and cover-ups. Do they have that little thing that they stick in front of your face so you forget everything you just saw? Well, no one knows because then they would forget. I I got nothing to say to that because true, (laughs) but... Okay. They always appear in a very secretive and intimidating manner and are said to have awkward robotic way of communicating. You know, since they're aliens, they don't understand like our cadences, which apparently we don't either sometimes because we sound weird. They often wear hats and dark glasses that cover up their eyes. This is most probably to disguise the fact that they're non-human. Their suits seem to be their best effort to blend in with us. Like, you can tell something's different about them and they're very unapproachable. Um, because the other shadow people are approachable? Well, no, they're saying, like, if you're walking down the street and you see this person, like, in sunglasses, a hat, and a suit. So they're not, like, see-through like the other ones. Mm-mm. Okay, so, Carrie, this is for you to fully protect yourself and your space. Okay, sage that bitch. <laughs> you could. You can sage it, and it says, use sage, fully sage the area, yourself, and all family members, and the home. I could just see you, like, hey, Dad, I'm going to sage you. <laughs> He'd be like, just don't do it during Walker. (laughs) Walker, Texas Ranger, if y'all aren't familiar. They do not like and will be repelled by the sacred mix of four natural protective magical herbs. Sage, cedar, sweet grass, and lavender. What the hell is sweet grass? I'm not sure. Well, why do you always ask me these questions? (laughs) Next time, I'm going to look up everything. (laughs) And then you're not going to ask me anything. And I'm going to be like, did you know? (laughs) Another thing you can do is say protective prayers. You can call... Protective prayer. Can you give me an example? <laughs> uh, the Archangel Michael prayer. Um, you can call upon him, Jesus Christ, and the power of God to protect you. Uh, they say to be very vocal and to yell out to them, demand them to leave, or laugh out loud at it. Which I feel like I would not be able to laugh out loud. It would be your fake laugh. I don't know. I don't think I can laugh because then I'd be like, "Oh, don't get angry." I, I don't. I have. I have. I don't have words for this. I know. Put on some loud music. Okay, so, hey, excuse me, shadow person standing there, <laughs> let, but first, let me take a selfie. No, 
<laughs> but first, hold, I gotta, let me turn on my iPod. Um, it still has an iPod. My phone. Uh, yeah. Or you can use protective crystals because their frequency is very disruptive <gasps> for them. Do you know that I have an amethyst hanging next to my bed? Mm, see, you might not have one tonight then. Is that a protective crystal? I don't really know what I don't know. <laughs> but I do have an amethyst. I don't know because I didn't look it up. <laughs> um, or this one, I thought, I like I included this one because it cracked me up. Send it into a violent flame. What? <laughs> like how? What? I banish you to hell. Like, is that what it means? I have no idea. Or like I was picturing fire. is, yeah, what I was picturing is like having a big fire and being like, go in, <laughs> walk oh towards God. the light. So here's what you can take away from this. If you wake up and you cannot move. Oh my God, I'd die that right there. <laughs> I would die of a heart attack. Be very careful, but be aware there is probably a shadow person um, they feed off of your fear, so breathe and try to remain as calm as possible. When you gather yourself a little bit, talk out loud and tell them to leave. Even if you don't see one, it couldn't hurt. Be safe. Go ahead and tell them. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so that's shadow people. That's shadow people. Well, you know, the other night when we recorded for the Friday the 13th episode, mm-hmm. do you remember when we were outside for a minute? Yes. And you thought you saw something moving at the neighbors and you're like, I think it's a flag. It just has a different light on it. Yes. And I said, I'm not seeing where, like where you were seeing something move was mm-hmm. not where I was seeing it. It was in the trees. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Remember I said, it's not like, you you know, you were looking to the left and I said, no, where I'm seeing it is in, bet- where bet- in between where you were and like the other light pole was, yeah. was like, in, the, in those trees. Oh, my gosh. And it was black. Because remember I said it's black. It's probably like a coyote or something. Yes. Like eyes are kind of watering because like legit that did happen. Oh, my God. I do believe that there are things that we see that we don't, that are out of the corner of our eye and all of that, that we're like, was that something? Was it not something that, that we are kind of programmed to not see? So mm-hmm. I don't think that it's completely bullshit. The men in black are, maybe. Sorry, I, men in black. I mean, I completely agree about those two. Not with you. I, I agree with the other people. That what? That the men in black exist? Yes. Because I believe in aliens. I believe that the government is hiding something. <sighs> I mean, I guess I believe that if we are, like, why would there not be? Yeah. I'm not like, aliens are our thing, or real, you know, but I'm like, I mean, they could be. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I pretty much believe they are. Huh. I mean, I knew that, that you believed them. (laughs) I mean, I haven't seen anything or any, but I don't know. I believe everything. Well, I think that there's potential for everything. Like, you can't, like, never say never kind of thing. Yeah. I'm going to do Area 51. Oh, my God. I almost said that earlier whenever you said... Men in Black or whoever was the yeah. government, like their government trying to hide. I was like, like Area 51. Yeah, I'm going to do a story about that, too. There's been, I watched something on um, History Channel about that. But like it had retired military men mm-hmm. that were the guards of it. And this, they were talking about, you know, this is as far as you can go. Yeah. Um, if you go any further, like they will pull guns on you and wow. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's all fun and games until you think about real life experiences. Yeah, it's all fun and games to joke about it. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, I did see a dark figure last (laughs) night. Okay, now that we are officially freaked the hell out. Yes. Let's talk about some murder. Okay, hopefully that's lighter. Yeah, it's well, and I feel like you started out lighter until like the wheels started turning, and then I freaked myself out and you. Yeah, you had my eyes watering everything. Something fierce. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and just so y'all know, so we weren't recording for a second, and I have like my essential oils that I told you, 
And Carrie thought I had it on because she saw like a puff of smoke, but I don't have it on. And it was not by the diffuser. Yeah. And so then it went crazy again. I was like, oh my gosh. So we've decided that either we're, this podcast is making us more <laughs> aware of these other planes of existence mm-hmm. and, or we're in our own heads and we're just seeing shit. Yeah, either way, we're getting some St. Benedict stuff that I'm going to put at the four corners of my property and sage this weekend. (laughs) We're legit doing that. Because we want to be around for episode five. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I'm going to do an Australian murderer. Oh, that's my favorite accent ever. It's pretty amazing. Like, I don't know. I love British too. Mm-mm. British is British is my favorite, actually. No, Australians. Ugh. If you listen to us and you're from Australia, hit a girl up. <laughs> <laughs> if you're single, male, and hot, <laughs> hit Donna up. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can hit me up too, but particularly her because she loves the accent so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, just leave me a voicemail, something. <laughs> her number is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So the guy that I'm doing, his name is Roger Dean. I don't think I've ever heard of him. No. I Well, and I hadn't either. There is a podcast that I was listening to called Case File. Oh, I have that on my, like, to, to listen, listen to. to yeah. yeah, there's like 80 episodes. The guy who does it... um. He's Australian. I don't remember his name. The case file guy? Is Australian, yes. Oh, I'm about to binge the shit out of that <laughs> podcast. I have to say, the first couple of episodes, the sound was a little quieter, which, hello. I mean, ours too. Yeah, but he, it, it does get better. That's okay. I'll turn him full blast. Yeah, well, when I listened to it in the car, the sound, I had to turn him up pretty high. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I can power through for that accent. Um, but anyway, no, we can keep talking about the accent. <laughs> you know, I have, I think you do too, but my Siri on my phone is a male Australian yeah, accent. He's, well, yeah. But I make him say my name a lot. <laughs> oh my God. Stop it. Hey Siri, what's my name? You're Donna. That's what you told me. Sorry, that was my boyfriend. So Roger Dean was born in Vietnam. He and his mother and his siblings were refugees um, who moved to Australia. They lived in Sydney. And his father stayed back in Vietnam for a little while. Um, I don't, it didn't say why. And then later died trying to escape Aww. to Australia. Gosh. Yeah. Roger Dean was a gay man who identified at a very young age. And his family was not very supportive of that. And... Once he got older, he didn't didn't really have much interaction with his family, like his siblings yeah. and his mother. He had a, a rough upbringing in that um, he was sexually assaulted by two adult men. God, And I think it is teens. Yeah. So he, he ended up going to school and got, got his bachelor's in nursing and became a registered nurse. And he was working at a couple of local hospitals and, you know, in nursing and then decided that he wanted to go back to get a law degree. So he was still nursing, like doing the nursing thing at night and then going to law school. Oh, wow. Well, while he was in law school, he's busy as shit. I mean, he's yeah. in law school and is a registered nurse. And so he was really starting to have some issues with sleep. Um, and so he was taking some medicine to help him with his sleep. Did he have sleep paralysis and did he see a shadow person? Probably the men in black. I feel like every story I do starts with this really shitty upbringing. Right. I mean, it really makes you think. People just be kind. That's it. I know. God, Ellen DeGeneres. She says that? 
Uh-huh. She says, she stole it from me. Just be kind to one another. Also, while he was in law school, aside from the being tired and all of that, he was diagnosed with IBS. Um, and he was given benzodiazepines for like the pain and blah, blah, blah. Oh, benzos. I know. Pretending like I actually understand all that. I just so, heard it in like movies. <laughs> I know. And so um, by 2007, he was addicted to the medicine because of his stomach and his bad sleeping and law school and nursing. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. In 2008, one of his close friends committed suicide. Aw. I know. Sorry. So the the suicide, I just was like, oh my gosh, just because we've had locally in the area a an eighteen year old that committed suicide. Oh my gosh! Um, and I, I just it just breaks my heart that one that it happens, and two, yeah. I just think that it always becomes a blame game of, especially when it's a kid like that, of the parents and the yeah, you know, and oh, it's so selfish and this and this and that. But you know, there's actually a a um a big movement now to not to say they committed suicide, but to say that they died by suicide. Oh, really? Instead of because it kind of takes away some of the blame because. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. It's an action that they did, but people who don't have mental illness, like depression, anxiety, just don't get it. Yeah, and so it's hard for people to wrap their heads around getting to that place where something is so bad that you see no way out. And so, yeah, I totally understand that because my uncle, who we were speaking about earlier, he did die by suicide in two thousand. But he did have a lot of mental anguish and he left a book, actually several books that he wrote in and he like documented all of his struggles Mm -hmm. that we had no idea about. And when you read those, I I completely understand. Yeah. One, it's just such a, you know, a touchy subject because I mean, I just can't even imagine and it being your child. Like I just can't even, you know, when we talked about it, because I have a group chat with my sisters and my parents and, um, because I'm very lucky that I have tech savvy parents. That, yeah. I mean, except for the fact I had to share the podcast with them because I couldn't get the podcast out to work. <laughs> but we do have a group text. Um, but all of my sisters have kids. And, you know, they were saying if their kid had committed suicide, like you, they'd have to be locked up. Like they couldn't live anymore, yeah. you know. But anyway. Just saying, like, we know, I mean, we don't know why people do commit suicide and we don't condone it or like that's not not the right word there's always there is a way out even if you feel like there's not a way out and there are people that can help you yeah and don't be afraid to reach out to someone whether it be a hotline or a friend or a counselor or anything because there are people to help you yes you know one thing that my sister that teaches in the school district the kid who committed suicide or died by suicide see i can't even keep the wording right but you know she was saying that she talked to her kids about it who go to that that school district and said you know just know that there's nothing that can't be fixed in life there's nothing so bad that we can't get through it somehow and you know there's nothing that you can do to make me not love you yeah but those are also kids that are in a loving family and all that you know yeah not that the kid that passed away wasn't but i don't know yeah it's such a touchy subject but we just want you to know i don't even know what to say because it's not because, again, it's not we don't condone it because who condones it? But yeah, we understand that the, the it's sh- your decision and that you have factors that have led you to that, you know, to where you're thinking about it. But there's a way out. Yes. There's always a way out. Definitely. I feel like that got really heavy, but I also feel like it's things that need to be said. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, OK, let's lighten it up. Bring it back to murder. <laughs> um, no, this one's actually cut. This story is kind of heavy, too, to be honest. Oh, um, Okay, so his friend committed suicide, and that just 
escalated his drug addiction. That was his coping and that Mm -hmm. was his self-medication. And so one thing that he would do was he would go see multiple doctors to get all these different medications. And they said he was taking upwards of like 15 pills a day. Holy crap. Yeah. Okay. So in June of 2011, he was working at one of the local hospitals when they noticed that he was slurring his speech and he he wasn't understanding things that people were. Yeah. He wasn't able to follow even basic commands. And so they sent him home and suspended him because he's under the influence working and he's a nurse. And so it's like, you can't take care. Like this is people's lives on the line you can't if you're effed up on pills you can't take care of them so what he ended up saying was that he has um, bipolar disorder and that his doctor had just changed his medication and that's why he was slurring his speech and not understanding it wasn't because he was on benzos so he got his doctor to like write a letter and be like yes i had just changed his medication this is why he was acting like that he's fit to go back to work now Oh, my God. Yeah. So the hospital where he was working was like, okay, you can come back, but we're putting you on day shift um, because you clearly can't be unsupervised like you could on the night shift, you know, because there's not as many people. It's a night yeah. shift. And so they said, you need the supervision because of that drug use. But then they said that, like, he had really poor interpersonal skills, like he had trouble getting along with people and one of the things that I read said that he was the subject of two different investigations at different healthcare facilities for suspected drug use. Uh, remember how I said he had poor interpersonal skills, like he couldn't get along with his coworkers, his bosses and stuff. And so one of the investigations was for vandalizing one of his supervisor's car. Ooh, what did like, he do? Draw a penis on it? Oh, my God. I was thinking slash your tires. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, didn't say. tires, it's a sore subject. After he was let go from that hospital one of the things said he basically walked down the street and got a job at quaker hill nursing home and that was in september 2011 when he applied for that job he lied on his resume and on his resume he didn't even mention the hospital that he had just been suspended from (laughs) so and then he also said that he had been working at a cheesecake shop he worked at cheesecake factory he didn't it was all a lie Oh, because I can get behind that. I know. Well, it didn't matter that he lied because Quaker Hill Nursing Home did not do their due diligence. They did not follow up with any of his fake references. (laughs) Wow. They didn't look to see if he had worked in the places that he said he had worked. And so he got a job. He was the night shift nursing supervisor, basically. Oh, gosh. So I don't know that this is for sure how this is in Australia, but I can say that here in the States at nursing homes, you typically have one registered nurse on the shift, and then you have, I forget what they're, they're called uh, LPNs here, licensed practical nurses, but I think they're called like vocational nurses other places. But it's a nursing degree, just not the same as a registered nurse. Like they can't, they are not allowed to give some of the medications. You have to be an RN to give, like the benzos and stuff. You know, what he was addicted to. Yeah. You have to be an RN to be able to give those. Um, So there's usually one RN on a shift. When he first got hired on at Quakers Hill Nursing Home, they were going through a fire training, like safety course kind of thing. So one of the firefighters in the area came, or fire brigade, as they call it. Also in medical facilities here in the States, but based on what I've read about... Um, this nursing home too it's the same so you, there's safety mechanisms in place to keep the fire from spreading you have the fire doors that as soon as a fire starts and the alarms go off the smoke doors close and so it can keep the fire contained in sections because in hospitals and nursing homes they say to move patients 
laterally instead of down. So like in a multi-story nursing home or hospital, when you have a fire, because of the smoke doors closing, you can just move patients across the hall versus trying to take people who can't walk downstairs. And so that's how this nursing home was. You know, when the alarm goes off, it notifies the fire department and they can come, but the smoke doors automatically close. And so like many medical facilities, there was a treatment room, which is where the cabinet with the medications, I think they're called the class eight drugs. I'm not a pharmacist nor a drug addict, so I'm not really sure, (laughs) but I think they're called the schedule eight medicine. So that's stuff like the methadone, the fentanyl, the pain medicines. So in order to get pain medicines out of there, the registered nurse in charge of that shift has two keys, one to get into the room and one to get into the medicine cabinet. I think I saw that on Orange is the New Black. Yeah, I think so. So the the protocol set in place in this nursing home. So when the nurse goes in to get the medicine out, there is a nursing assistant or I'm going to imagine they said nursing assistant in the stuff that I read, but I would imagine it's like an LPN with them to make sure that nothing's getting stolen. They keep a log of what's in the cabinet, what's taken out and like how many are left. Yeah. And then at the end of one shift and the beginning of the other, where there's that overlap where two nurses are there too, they do a an audit or an inventory of what's in there. Okay. So it just is like a checks and balances of there's always kind of two people in the mix to make sure that one person's not being shady. So given that Roger Dean was the nighttime nurse on duty, he was the one that had the keys. Oh, Lord. I know. And remember, he's the one that's a drug addict. Mm-hmm. How could I forget? I know. So on November 17th, he stole over 200 pills. Whoa. So CCTV, closed circuit, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Oh, I know CCTV. Yeah. So there's no CCTV inside the med room. What? But there's CCTV. There's like 16 or so cameras throughout the facility. And so there was one that shows the door. So it shows who goes in and out. Yeah. It doesn't show what they do in there, but it does show the door. Yeah. But then, I mean, he could hide it where they wouldn't see that he had that much. Like if you go. I design the security. <laughs> if you go through to have all of that. Yeah. Like. Put a fucking nanny cam in there. Well, and I mean, God, if you go to the bank, they've got shining right down the money to yeah. make sure they're not pocket. But well, they didn't hear. But what they did find on the CCTV was him going in and out of the med room 16 times. Oh, now, come on. And that when he would go in, he would spend just a crap ton of time, right? So the next day when the nurses go to do their audit of the pills and they realize, holy shit, there's over 200 pills missing. Yeah. Wasn't quite that hard to figure out. Lynetta Mateo, she... Love her name. I know. Um, She was kind of like the nursing supervisor over everybody. She was kind of the shot caller there. And so she was notified by the, the two nurses that did the audit. She wasn't at work, but they call her and they're like, hey, we're missing over 200 pills. This is what's happening. So she comes in and she calls the police. And this is kind of in the evening shift where this is found. Okay. And so Roger Dean comes on for his shift at about 1030. When he gets there, they tell him that they found that 200 pills are missed, over 200 pills are missing and that they've called the police. And he's like, what? Pretty much, yeah. So when the police get there, he's the one that lets them in because, you know, skilled nursing facilities at night, the doors lock, right? And so he's the one that's like, hey, come on in, you know. So Roger is starting to freak out because he's like, you know, he's already gotten in trouble in one nursing place. He's almost done with his law degree. And so he's like seeing all this going up in smoke, right? Yeah. Bad choice of words when you hear the rest of it. Oh, gosh. Shit. 
foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> so the police get there. He lets him in. He's starting to like freak out. But while the police are there, they get an urgent call of like a domestic violence case. And they're like, we'll be back. We got to go. We got to go handle this emergency call. We'll be back. Yeah. So Roger's like, okay, I have some time to kind of figure this shit out, right? <laughs> well, Lynetta is an amateur sleuth and was like, okay, I'm going to start reviewing the CCTV footage. Yeah. So she does. And she finds on the CCTV footage that Robert is leaving the room 16 times coming in and out. Also, um, commonplace in skilled nursing is that they use blister packets for the medicine. I don't know oh, why. Yeah. They just do for everything. Like every like medicines for the residents are very rarely in bottles. It's always in blister packets. And it keeps it cleaner. So they can just pop one out or however many they need out versus like pouring some. Yeah. So she had the CCTV footage that she found saw it was roger and was like and grab that and grab the blister packets to get fingerprints and that's awesome yes and here are the computer logs that show when he logged in what he was doing while he was in there she's on it she's i'm telling you andrew's amateur sleuth so she gathers all that and then she was like waiting on the police and was like i, I can't wait anymore like i've got to go tell him so she locks all of that information up in her office the only other person that has the key to her office is like this big dog administrator that's not even there so she's like this is safe under lock and key. Yeah. Roger can't get in here because he doesn't, you know, the other person that has the key is not even here. He didn't have access to it. I'm going to go to the police station because I have to tell him what I found. Well, so she leaves to go tell the police. Why didn't she take it with her? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so Roger is officially freaking out. Like, even a colleague noticed that his hands were shaking, like, when he heard that the police were going to interview everybody. I don't know why he didn't just, like, leave and disappear. Right? So, about that time, like, when Lynetta's gone to the police station, everything's kind of sort of calming down. Mm-hmm. Um, another employee, Judith Watt, takes her regular smoke break. When she comes back in, she leaves her cigarettes and a lighter next to the vending machine. So, Roger Dean grabs the lighter. Oh, gosh. So, when he has a lighter, he goes to... So, the nurse nursing home is built like an H. And okay. so each of the four corners has a hall. Okay. And the at the time, the nursing home had 89 residents living there. So some of the rooms were private rooms. Some of the rooms had two to three people in them. And mm-hmm. so they, they were broken into wings. It was A1, A2, B1, B2. Okay. So he goes to... I think A1 first. And there's two nursing assistants there that are taking care of the the residents. And he's like, hey, why don't y'all go ahead and go take a break? I'll cover for you. And they were like, no, we've already had our break. We don't we don't need to go. And he was like, "Okay." (laughs) So he goes to wing A2. (laughs) All right. One down. Yeah. Those bitches are actually going to do their job. Fine. (laughs) Let me go over here. And then there were two nursing assistants on that end. And he was like, hey, y'all go ahead and take your break. I'll handle it. And they're like, okay, because they hadn't had their break yet. Yeah. So those two go to take their break. So instead of covering for them, as well, I was like, one of the articles I read was like, instead of covering for them, he headed to room 19 of the <laughs> A2 wing. This room was unoccupied. Oh, okay. So his thought process was, holy shit, I got to cover this crime of stealing over 200 pills. So in his just wonderful logic. Yeah, his benzoed out mind. Mm -hmm. He goes to room 19 and sets a um, empty bed on fire. What? At least it was empty. So it catches fire and it grows quickly and quickly and quickly. And so it set off all the alarm systems. And so the smoke doors close. It it, um, notifies the fire department. Everything sets in motion as it should. 
Yeah. So when all that starts happening, he very calmly walks to the A1 wing. Of course. To room three. Is that one unoccupied too? No. Oh. So in this room, there were three beds. One bed was unoccupied. The other two were not. He sets fire to the unoccupied bed. Oh my god. With those two women in there. And so because the alarm system was already tripped and running as it should Mm -hmm. in A2, when he set the fire in A1, the alarms didn't go off because they were already going off for that. Yeah. So the fire department gets there. And they're putting it out, and they don't know that there's that fire in A1. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be sad. This is sad, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of struggling even telling the story a little bit. So after he lit the fire in A1, he did help one person out. Her name was Helen Perry. He helped her out because they think that he was trying to show that he was heroic, uh-huh. helping someone leave. So when he goes to get her, they're walking past the room where the fire is set, the second oh fire. Oh, gosh. And she tells him, we've got to get them out. We've got to get them out. The two women that were in there, because those women that were in that room were completely like they couldn't walk. They were invalid, I guess, for lack of a better word. That's not the word I want to say, but it's the only word that's coming to mind. So they're walking past it. And Helen Perry says, we got to get them out. We got to get them out. And Roger tells her, don't worry, Helen, just leave them. We've got to get out. People are on their way to get them. Oh, my gosh. And no one was on their way. When the firefighters get the flames put out in A2, they didn't know, again, like I said, there was a fire in A1. And that's when Roger Dean kind of comes out with, like, the smoke coming and, you know, showing that he's helping Helen out and that he's kind of this hero. But so by the time the firefighters realized that there was a, a a second fire in A1, the roof had already been engulfed. And so they say that they could hear trapped residents yelling. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We literally talked about that, that we would rather, like, drown than be Mm -hmm. burned. They said that the residents that lived there that were ambulatory were having to crawl on their hands and knees out underneath the smoke because it was so heavy. Like, the smoke was super thick and super dark and gray, and it just, you couldn't see anything, you you know. And they were trying to get as many people out as they could, but they couldn't get to a lot of them because the smoke was so bad. Oh, my gosh. So, of the 89 residents that lived at the nursing home, 11 people died. Dorothy Sterling was 80. Dorothy Wu was 85. Alma Smith, 73. Cesar Galeas, 82. Urbana Alipo, 79. Alicia Velake, 90. Sorry, I'm butchering these words. Doris Beck, 96. Lola Bennett, 86. Ella Wood, 97. Verna Wiebeck, 83. Reginald Green, 87. Oh, my Gosh. And then, of course, you know, the first two that I named, Dorothy Sterling and Dorothy Wu, were the two women that were asleep in the room that he lit the second fire. Oh, my gosh. And I've been saying that so much. Like, oh, my gosh. But this is so heartbreaking. Another eight people did suffer um, serious injuries from the fire and, you know, died of, like, the smoke inhalation and all of that. Over drugs. Yeah. He murdered 11 people for 237 tablets of of the narcotic endo and one capsule of Capital. Wow. So one of the articles that I read, and I don't know how accurate this is because obviously it's, this is an Australian, I'm not 100% sure, not because the article's from Australia, but because the money's <laughs> different and the street value of narcotics is probably different. But one article I read about it said that purchase price of those pills came to $85. Holy shit. 
I have to say this quote that this um, article said. She wrote, 11 people died because the fucktard loser, Roger Kinsley Dean, stole $85 worth of pills. Right. First of uh, all, preach, girl. Mm-hmm. Second of all, that she said fucktard loser. I know. <laughs> so accurate. <laughs> so eloquent. Yes. You know, that's like when people rob a convenience store mm-hmm. and it's like a bag of chips and, and a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. And like $50 in the register. Mm-hmm. And then they kill them uh-huh. and stuff. And I'm like, you literally would. Probably go to jail for just a little bit because it's such a, uh, it's not like what, a felony or whatever. Yeah. Know, yeah. You know, like grand larceny. Yeah. Or because it's, I think to be, and of course I'm not a yeah, police I'm, officer <laughs> or an attorney. And so don't quote me on this, but I think for it to be like grand larceny, it has to be over a thousand dollars. It would be like a misdemeanor. When it, the aftermath of everything's kind of settling outside, they've got as many residents out as they're going to get and the fire is contained. Roger Dean tries to get back in the nursing home so that he can get the drug books. Oh my gosh. One article I read said he tried to go in four times unsuccessfully and was successful in the fifth time. Um, And then one thing I saw said that he tried to go in twice and the third time was a success. So the first couple, like the times that he tried and wasn't successful, he was like, oh, I need to get in to get these. And the firefighters were like, hell no, you're not going in there. It's an inferno. Like you're you're not going in there for a freaking book. When he was finally successful, um, one of the firefighters let him go inside to get the drug books um, because he did a better job of his acting and made it like, I have to get these Kind of thing. Mm, he didn't take uh, Michael Peterson's acting class. Oh, God, no. I, I can act better than Michael Peterson can <laughs> act. So when the firefighter let him go back in to get the drug books, he said, fine, you can go in, but I'm going with you. And he was like, fine. I mean, I'm assuming that's how that yeah. conversation went down. When they went in, Roger was cautious and let the firefighter go unlock the door to the drug room so that he wouldn't be on the CCTV getting back in after wow. the fire. But mm-hmm. the universe was like... F you and the firefighter couldn't get the door open. So he was like telling him like, hey, okay, turn the key this way. Do this. And the firefighter was like, I can't get it. If you got to get in and get get these books, you're going to have to come do it because I can't get this door open. And so he had to go on the CCTV and open the door Uh and sent the firefighter in to get them. So after he gets the drug books, he puts them in his little backpack and he's about to leave to go to his house to get rid of the drug books. And when he's leaving... He gets stopped by a news reporter outside who's like, what the heck is going on? And there's, I'll see if we can put this video of him. He has just come out of the building with the firefighter, has the the drug books in his backpack. Oh, my gosh. And they're like, you know, what's happening, blah, blah, blah. And he said, we got a lot of people out. So that's the main thing. So as soon as he gets home, he shreds the drug books. He So he was living with his ex-partner, um, but they don't know if they were still together or just living together at that point. His ex-partner was taking him back to work, like going to drive him back, and they also drove so he could put those shredded papers in a dumpster. Yeah. Though, um, Mateo, Loretta? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lynetta. Yeah. What did she have, though? I thought she had... She had the CCTV. Mm-hmm. She had the blister packets for fingerprints. Yeah. And she had computer logs. Here, everything's computer. You know, you have to be like, boop, boop, beep, doo, 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 like yeah. to get in. And then like a drawer opens when mm-hmm. you say, I need this medication for this patient. And then it goes, plop, and the drawer opens mm-hmm. and you get it out that blister pack. So I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know what the system 
yeah. that they had in place were. I don't know if maybe the drug books that he needed were like a log that you signed in. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I was just wondering if that was going to come up. Like he did all of this and he didn't even need to do it. Like it didn't have the right logs or something. Yeah. So it didn't take long for them to go, this guy did it because Lynetta still had her stuff. It yeah. wasn't burned in the fire. He didn't know that she had that locked in up in her office. She's like, hey, I have all this information on him. He just got busted stealing this stuff. And they're like, oh, wait. He had to go back in to get the drug books, and now he's gone. Yeah. And now he's back. We're going to haul him in for some questioning. This article, too. God, I love this. This writer is my soulmate. She said, in his police interview, Roger Kinsley dipshit Dean confessed. (laughs) 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 Oh, my gosh. So he said that he had to make amends for the mistakes I've done by helping the nursing home residents escape from the furnace. Oh, my gosh. And there were a lot of interviews where he kept saying, like, I didn't know the fire was going to get that big. When I lit it, it was, like, kind of made it sound like he was doing it just, like, as a decoy to be able to get it. But he lit a fire in a room where two women who were immobile yeah, and had advanced Alzheimer's were stuck. Right. And then when he walked past that room with another resident said, we have to get them out. He lied to her face and said, people are on their way to get them. Right. People aren't on their way. They don't even know that there's a second fire. That is so heartbreaking. Yes. So then he said, I love the residents very much and I have a very good rapport with them. So I feel extremely bad and upset. He later said that I feel evil, that I'm corrupted with evil thoughts. And that had made me do it. He did a lot of... um. Blaming the devil. I have expressed in church that I've been getting a lot of nightmares. And all I can say is that's what happened. What happened. Corrupted by this evil. Like he kept saying that like the devil kind of possessed him. And that it wasn't him. And that he was having like all these crazy thoughts and stuff from his bipolar. But then... Meanwhile, they're like, except for when you left with those drug books, you had an interview with the newspaper or with the reporter and you were fine. So not buying it. Mm -hmm. So, oh, my God, this part, I can't even with this. A psychiatrist said that there was no evidence that he was suffering from a mental illness, that he was blaming, like basically trying to say that he had schizophrenia of some or or something of the sort where he was paranoid and thinking that the devil had taken over and blah 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 it's all fucking bullshit so the psychiatrist said that he believed that his actions were considered a plan to distract authorities from the theft of those pills when the police got to his house um to search his house they found almost all of the stolen drug containers and he had labeled them rogers doctor prescribed medication Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and then it says, God, I really love this author. She said, on November 12, 2012, the rotten little mass murdering asshole pleaded not guilty to eight counts of recklessly causing grievous bodily harm and 11 counts of murder. He pled not guilty. Wow. But I cracked up that she was like that rotten little mass murdering asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so instead... He said, I'll plead guilty to manslaughter. Oh, my gosh. And they were like, hell no. Right. So then when the it was like the day that the trial was um, in their Supreme Court in Sydney was was starting that day. And this was May 27th, 2013. 
Um, they were getting ready for the trial to start, and that day he pled guilty to 11 counts of murder and 8 counts of causing grievous bodily harm. He said, There was an empty bed when I did my rounds, and not thinking that it would be disastrous, I lit the sheet and s- started just a small flame that I thought, that's okay, like, that's containable. Okay. At his sentencing, like, it was packed in there. Because this was a huge, big deal. But, I mean, friends and families of all of these, you know, people who had passed were there to give their victim impact statements. When he was sentenced to life in prison, the judge says, It is simply not possible to adequately reflect the culpability of the offender for the deaths of 11 vulnerable people whose care he was responsible by any lesser penalty. Wow. I have had two grandparents that we've had to put in in nursing homes. Mm-hmm. I've had one. And no nursing home's perfect. They all have flaws. And, you you know, anytime that you're entrusting your family member's care into someone else, you still have to make sure that people are doing what they're supposed to do. But there's a special place in hell for someone like Roger Dean, who mm-hmm. is, number one, there to take care of you. But two, to hurt someone so vulnerable as someone who has, you know, end-stage dementia or Alzheimer's that is immobile, that cannot take care of themselves, cannot escape, cannot fight back. cannot Like, there is a special place in hell for people like that. Oh, for sure. This just made me so angry. Like, I can't even at how angry this story made me. And sad. I mean, this is a very heavy story, I feel like. Because if you just, you know, you think about these residents laying there and yelling because it hurts. Even if they're not aware, Mm -hmm. they're yelling because it hurts. Could you even imagine being a firefighter Mm -mm. and hearing that and not being able to go save them and knowing that they're just laying there dying? And those family members, that's a big enough and a hard enough decision to put someone that you love in the care of someone else. Yes. And then to have the person that is overseeing their care be the one that kills them. Okay, so question. Did any family members sue the hospital? Or, I'm sorry, the nursing home? Not that I know of. Ultimately falls with them because they didn't do any background checks Yeah, they definitely failed on their end. I mean, that would be negligence. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, If y'all are listening, y'all need to go back and do some kind of class action lawsuit over there. From what I understand, the nursing home did acknowledge we effed up with the hiring process. But I feel like I've said this like four times about, you know, the States versus Australia. But I mean, nursing homes are hard to staff. It's hard work. It's less pay. It's hard work. It's hard work. It's hard work. You know, it is is not for the faint of heart. And the pay is not as high as, let's say, a hospital. Mm -hmm. And so they are here in the States notoriously understaffed. I think that, and I'm not making excuses for the nursing home, and they they screwed up, but I think that they needed a warm body. They needed a nurse there. They needed someone covering these night shifts. Oh, they got a warm body. Damn. Not they did the best they could, because they didn't, but... Yeah, there's no excuse for that. Mm -mm. And I know what you're saying. It's like a rock and a hard place, but... Mm -hmm. Oh, they they absolutely are in the wrong in that they should have looked into him. But also, I think that some of the not some of the blame of this, but that hospital that he was working for originally, they should have not only fired him, but they should have filed a complaint with the state board. Basically, whatever, wherever he gets his nursing license, there should have been a complaint filed. And when he applied for his next job, had both places done their due diligence Mm -hmm. in this in, in this situation, it could have completely been avoided. So it it was it's kind of a domino effect mm-hmm. of people not doing the things that they should do. Yeah. But ultimately it's his responsibility. Oh, for sure. Ultimately he's the one that lit the fucking fire. Yeah, totally. 
I just, oh my God, it just made me so angry. Yeah, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. And then to be so nonchalant about it. What a sociopath to walk out and have an interview with a news reporter and play like you are the one saving these people. Yeah. F you. For real. You're not the hero. Right. You're the villain. You started this. But Mm -hmm. anyway, that is my very large soapbox. (laughs) And that is the piece of crap of Roger Kinsley Dean. Ugh, I hate him. (laughs) So he's not one that you were going to write letters to in jail. (laughs) For the record, she does not have a pen pal that is in prison. But if you're listening to this podcast from prison and you have an Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> Must love dogs yeah. and have an Australian accent. Yeah. I mean, I'm not hard to please, right? <laughs> <laughs> and be able to have conjugal visits. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's funny. funny could you imagine being judith watt that like went outside on your smoke break came back put your stuff down and it's your lighter he stole right i bet she quit smoking <laughs> no she probably smokes pack a day now so we have either thoroughly depressed you mm-hmm. or scared you and you don't want to go to sleep or both hopefully we made you laugh definitely and come back next monday same time Same place, same girls, and dog. Yeah. (laughs) And hopefully not this ghost. Oh, my gosh. That puff of smoke. I can't even. Yeah. That was scary. Don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Follow us on social media. Instagram and Twitter is The APC Podcast. Facebook is A Paranormal Chicks. And our website, if you want to check out the show notes and see those creepy pictures and videos and all that crazy stuff we post... (laughs) Especially that damn doll from last week. I still oh think about I, I legit can still see that doll when I close my eyes. <laughs> Go to our website at aparanormalchicks.com. Yes. So we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.